Hi, and welcome to the podium where we celebrate the best in motorsport and bring you up to speed on the latest motorsport news. My name's Jason Skylis, and welcome to the second episode of 2020. And it's another bumper edition of the show. It's been an interesting period in the motorsport world. You know, we're going to be talking about what's been happening and what hasn't been happening, of course, with all the cancellations and postponements of all these big racing events, not only in Australia, but across the globe. So we're going to be doing that with some special guests as well on this episode. So joining us on this episode, we've got Tony D'Alberto, yep, the TCR series driver and also driver for DJR Team Penske in the Pertec Enduro Cup, Tony Alberto is going to be joining us to talk about a whole range of different things. He's going to talk a bit about what the new supercars are like to drive this season and some of the changes for this season and also what the demise of Holden means to him and his family because Tony Alberto and his family have had a long-standing association with Holden. So he's going to talk a bit about that and what he plans to do during this little period of uncertainty for the Supercars Championship and the whole Australian motorsport community. We've also got businessman Tony Quinn joining us on the podium. So we're going to be speaking to Tony and getting a business perspective about everything that's going on. So lots of long-time motorsport fans out there, they'd know about Tony Quinn. He's owned a number of different motorsport categories over the over the years. He's uh, also owns a number of racetracks. He's also a, com- a competitor himself. So we're going to be talking about that with Tony, what it's going to mean for teams going forward and what it means for him going forward. So it's it's a bumper edition of our show, and right after this, we're going to get right into some interviews. You're listening to The Podium, and right now on The Podium, we're joined with TCR star, as well as Supercar star, Tony D'Alberto. Tony, thank you so much for joining us on The Podium today. Absolute pleasure. Now... Tony, the past few days, you know, it hasn't just been motorsport, all sport. It's been unprecedented, the scenes that we've seen. We've seen a number of supercar rounds cancelled or postponed. Uh, Same thing goes with TCRs. And even the Grand Prix weekend. First and foremost, talk about, you know, what it was like with the Grand Prix weekend and everything that transpired there and then not having a race come the weekend. Well, the Grand Prix was an interesting one um, in TCR land. It actually wasn't part of the championship. Uh, so for me personally, I actually elected not to do the event. But obviously being there and being around it all, um, everybody had you know prepared themselves to go racing at the Grand Prix. And you know they've done practice qualifying and all the teams are there. Everybody's come from interstate um, and then to, I suppose, in some ways, had the disappointment of not racing. Um, you know, everyone was fairly gutted by that. But, you know, to be honest, I think at this time, everybody understands how important it is to uh, do their bit, um, if they can, to try and, uh, you know, eliminate this, this virus spreading even further than what it, what it already has. So, you know, while it's disappointing, I understand that for people, but... Uh, my personal opinion is it's so insignificant um, compared to everything else that's going on in the world. So um, we've just got to do our bit to try and make sure that we don't have uh, this, you know, mass, uh, you know, spread of this virus. So yeah, well, you know, you mentioned how, how of course, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a championship round for the TCR series. Yeah. 
did all this stuff going on play a part in your decision not to be involved in that, that race weekend? No, it didn't, not at all. Um, I'd like to say that I pissed it early and you know, <laughs> saved myself a few yeah. dollars from, from not going, but no, our, our decision was based upon, um, you know, we've got a certain amount of budget that we've got to play with from Honda, and um, I'd rather put all our eggs in the championship basket there and try and, you know, win the championship this year. You know, we finished second last year, so I feel as though we're, we've got a really good team and package there, uh, and, you know, spending some of our budget on the Grand Prix when it didn't yield any championship points, it just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, and also the risk of potentially damaging the car two weeks prior to the first round Sydney Motorsport Park. But, you know, in hindsight now, uh, everything has turned out uh, completely different. So um, we're all, all the cars are parked up in the garage at the moment and uh, we're just sort of sitting and waiting to see, you know, when we can go racing again. But... Um, yeah, it looked like a, a, a fantastic decision by myself, but to be honest, it had nothing to do with uh, what was going around at the time. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, you mentioned they're going to have all these cars sitting in garages for, you know, an indefinite amount of time now. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's... Talk about the testing period initially, though, because we did have some testing underway for you guys, and you were quite strong in testing. Yeah. Yeah, we had a test day at Winton, uh, which was like the opening test for the year. Um, most most teams put, uh, rocked up for that, and uh, it was a really sort of good gauge to have everybody there. You know, no one had. Oh, I think a couple had done a few private test days before that early in the year. Some guys that hadn't driven the cars before or bought a car themselves from the privateer, you know, style run teams. Um, so yeah, we, we had a strong day. We we um, finished. I suppose you know we, we finished at the top of the timesheet, but you know how that sort of. Uh, translate to actual overall speed. I'm not exactly sure. I always find it difficult to know how quick you are in testing. You don't know what tyres people are running. You don't really focus on your own little world. So, But in saying all that, we, we definitely made some good gains on the car from last year, especially when we're at Winton. Now, Winton was sort of mid-year uh, for the championship, and we still didn't really have our head around how to tune this car. Uh, so, yeah, going back, uh, after we'd learned quite a bit the back half of the year there with the wall racing crew, uh, it was really good to put some of those sort of things into practice. You know, we went there with the same setup as what we raced with, had the same problems, and then we tried to tune them out during the day and everything that we thought was going to help fix the problem did. So for me, whether I was quickest or not, I was just really happy with the progress that we'd made, just understanding the car because... You, know, you go to a race meeting, you, you have 20, two 20-minute practice sessions or something like that, and then, then you're straight into it. So if you have a handling characteristic that you, you, that you try and tune out of it, you just don't have time. So uh, you need to be really confident and positive the change you're going to make is going to head the car in the right direction. It might not cure it completely, but it's going to um, send it down the right way, whereas last year we were, were taking a bit of a stab in the dark, especially early on in the year. Um, but... You know, we learned quite a bit from uh, a couple of the guys coming out from Europe and racing with our team, uh, and we sort of put that into practice as the year sort of went on a little bit. So, test day was was good. You know, I, I did some simple things like practice starts and things like that that you know I haven't done since you know last round last year. And you know, you can have the quickest car and then stuff the start. So, uh, I was just sort of really trying to um, maximise some of that stuff. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's going to be an interesting season if we do get one. Uh, you got some of your old sparring partners uh, joining you again this year. You got Michael Caruso joining the championship yep. this year, which is just fantastic to have someone of his caliber in the series. Uh, you've mm-hmm. got Jason Barguana returning to yeah. top level motorsport again. Talk mm-hmm. about what it's going to be like if you guys do get some races underway, competing with some of these big names again. Oh, it's awesome! It really is cool. You know, last year, obviously, Will Brown took out the championship and. There were challenges from, you know, people that we probably didn't expect either. Some guys that are, you know, coming up through the ranks. Um, some, some guys that have, that have achieved everything in motorsport, like Jason Bright, you know, won the first round, or won the first race, I should say. Um, you know, won a race later in the year, so he had a really good year as well. Um, but having, you know, the caliber of, you know, Michael and Bards and, you know, the, the list really does go on. You know, you've got some really good young kids that are coming out of Formula Ford as well, and they're going to be just as fast. There's, there's no doubt about it. So um, everything's going to tighten up, and, you know, we saw it in testing. You know, it's only really tenths of a second that sort of separated everybody. It wasn't like we had chunks of time uh, where somebody was down the road or somebody was way off pace. So, uh, but, you know, Jason... You know, he hasn't raced full-time for a while, but I know Jace pretty well, and he's like a little ball terror. And uh, he'll be, uh, he'll have a bit between uh, his teeth, and he'll be going as hard as he can, I know that for sure. So um, you can't keep a, a good race driver down, and he's one of those guys that just keeps chipping away and really good racer. Uh, and, and Michael, you know, like he, he had a um, really good quality session at the Grand Prix, you know, put on the front row for his first race in TCR. So... Clearly, they're going to be fast this year. And then you've got guys like Garth Hander, um, all these boys that, you know, they've got so much racing experience. You know, my teammate John Martin has raced everything across the world in sports cars, and I learned a lot of him last year. So uh, we're really happy to have the same group of guys in our team going forward into this year because we work well together. Um, you know, reigning champion, Will Brown back. Uh, Aaron Cameron, for me, last year was a real standout. Uh, he did a fantastic job, um, you know, raced really well and was fast and, you know, did, did a really good job. So, um, you know, I think all those boys, you know, Moffat, O'Keefe, like the list seriously does go on. I'm probably missing some really big players here. I'm sorry for that. But um, the, the list really does go on. So I treat when – I, when I do a supercar enduro – uh, I treat it a little bit different to other races that I do, whereas I don't look at the competition because I just know everybody's going to be fast. So I sort of changed my focus to just working on what I can do and making sure that I do the best job. And I reckon this is exactly the same this year. You know, you, there's no point worrying about uh, somebody in particular. You just got to execute and make sure you're doing a fantastic job and the results will be there for you. So um, it's going to be strong. It's, it's great, you know, I, I do it because I love racing, but I also do it to keep myself as sharp as possible. So uh, last year, I think the racing was excellent, and that's just going to get better. Yeah, let's hope so, let's hope so. And yeah, you did mention Michael Caruso, you know, in his first outing already up the very top of the timesheets there on the Thursday at the Grand Prix. As a race fan and as a driver, were you surprised that they even, that the event took place initially? Oh, look, I, I didn't really know how you know, severe everything was really. I think probably the last week everybody's really stepped back on, hang on, this is probably more serious than what we anticipated or thought. Um, 
I thought, you know, once everybody was here, I might as well race, you know. Like, it, that that was probably the biggest danger, you know, people coming over for the Grand Prix, teams, fans, you know, everybody being in confined space. But everyone was already here. And I don't know, like, I'm certainly no expert on it. I don't want to pass a huge amount of judgment on it. But I just thought, you know, everybody's set up, everyone's ready to go. Um Okay, after the Grand Prix up in Melbourne, we, we call it quits. But, um, yeah, that was the decision they made. And, and like I said before, there's much bigger future for us than worrying about going motor racing when literally people are dying from a, from a virus. So um, it's got to be taken really seriously. And um, you know, I think if people are that upset about it, not going racing, they, they probably just need to have a look in their own backyard a little bit and, and uh, get their priorities straight. You know, we're uh, all humans and we all want to be healthy and live, live long lives with family and everything. And if we've got to give up a few race meetings, then so be it. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, a tough period for everyone and motorsport especially as well. Like, you know, we had that big announcement from Holden just a few weeks ago as well, yep. announcing that they won't be around at all. Uh, of course, the Dalberto name is synonymous with Holden's as well, having a number of dealerships over the years. Mm. How did you guys take the news about Holden's decision? I think it was a shock for everybody. Not not so much it was a shock that it, you know, that Holden was sort of pulling out or there's going to be a big change there because I think everyone probably could see that eventually happening. But it was just when the, the timing of it, you know, like to, to probably pull it forward by a year or two, um, that was probably a shock. I mean, for our family, yeah, it was, we're... Um, been holding through and through um, since I've since I've been born. Basically, my my dad and his brothers have had holding dealerships, and you know, uh, part of our business is spray painting as well, and we look after HSV and and other car manufacturers as well. So, you know, we've always had that bit of passion for holding. Um, so it is a real shame because it's a they're a fantastic car. There's no doubt about it, um, but proofs in the pudding, you know, like uh, obviously they weren't getting enough sales and like if, if everybody thought they were such a fantastic car, then they should buy them, keep them in Australia, you know. That, that's the problem, uh, I believe, is too many cars, uh, there's too much choice. You know, back in the day, there wasn't that, that sort of choice and that's when Holden and Ford were so successful. Um, but now there's, I think, 70 different brands or something that you can purchase So in Australia. And when you look at America, it's under 30. It's just absolutely nuts. Um, so I'm not surprised. It's just a real shame because there's lots of jobs lost. Um, and also, you know, I suppose the knock-on effect to, to the racing side of things as well um, isn't good. But, you know, in the scheme of things, Holden, we're really only supporting one team these days. So uh, it shouldn't be looked too much different from let's say, um, I don't know, I was, uh, um, GMAC or uh, HSV or someone, let's say a sponsor of the category, pulling out of the sport. Um, because that's effectively what Holden are these days. I mean, when I first started in Supercars and we had our own team, they supported every team, every team. They'd, we were one of the smallest car, uh, teams on the grid. And they used to give us hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to put a windscreen banner on the car. Um, parts, all sorts of stuff. Whereas now, it's 
there's no real parts that carry over. Yeah, the look of the car is very similar, but it's like the Mustang, there's not a lot of parts carry over. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing and it's going to be a big change, especially for Triple Eight. But I don't think it's going to be the end of the world that everybody's sort of making out it to be. Um, the big thing, I guess, is going forward. You know, what do they race? You know, what, what sort of car do they they produce? And, you know, will other manufacturers come in? And that whole Gen 3 sort of scenario will play out. Um, but, you know, I just think that you know, every year we, we think, oh, you know, there's sports at bursting point and how can it go on? It just keeps going on, get better and better. So there's got to be changes, obviously. And this year in supercars, they've introduced the control damper, reduced an aero, um, which I think are, you know, good changes. And hopefully, you know, the racing does get spiced up a little bit. But, I mean, I watch a lot of motorsport, and I've got to say, like, supercars is fantastic to watch on TV. Um, even when you're at the track, the noise, you know, the entertainment value of supercars is, is fantastic. Probably the, the only thing which is, very difficult for the teams is the cost is is very expensive so that's where they're doing their best to try and you know rein some of that in but that that just doesn't happen overnight like you know there's got to be a bit of a plan in place and uh i know from the outside it does look like you know holding a pulling out and we're cancelling or postponing events and it's all doom and gloom but really it's no worse than any other category um, having to go through the same sort of changes and evolve as a category. So they'll get through it. They've got some really smart operators at the, the top of the tree there and, and also team owners and managers. I'm sure if you put everybody's heads together, they can come out the other side. Yeah, it's going to be challenging times ahead, like you said, for all sports really, financially especially. Uh, you know, like we like you've discussed, you've been a team owner, you've been a race car driver. What kind of an effect is this cancelling and postponing of events going to have on race car teams and, you know, in terms of, you know, pulling in sponsorship dollars for events and just not being able to go ahead racing? What kind of an effect is this going to have on teams? Well, I think you'll find a lot of the budgets that will have already been signed off for this year, hopefully. Um, I, I think because everybody's just postponed everything across basically every industry, um, you know, the, the sponsorship budgets and things like that, okay, they can't be spent right now, but, you know, the back half of the year is going to be super busy with events, not only racing events, but, you know, it might be other uh, marketing events that companies want to do. Um, they're still going to try and do it this year, but just after or when it's safe to, I guess, um, so to speak. So the, the only thing at the moment is I know with... Um, with the Shell V-Power, they've uh, basically shut the doors for a period of time, and then, which is for staff, I guess, to take a bit of uh, holidays and annual leave and whatever they've got up their sleeve. Um, but once all that sort of runs out, I'm not exactly sure, for instance, what they've done. Uh, but, yeah, they're trying, I suppose, minimise their costs day-to-day with, when there's no racing to or no work for the guys to do. So... Uh, but that, that's a similar story to other industries. Um, I, don't, I don't know quite a few stories where people have obviously working from home or they're, you know, they're, the company they're working for is basically said, look, we're, we're shutting up shop for a month. Um, you can take holidays now and then we'll get on with it once things 
you know, get a little bit better or we got a bit more clarity on what's happening. Um, so, yeah, but like I said, again, there's, there's all that human element to things and all these people that work for race teams, work for event companies, work for, you know, all the food stalls at the Grand Prix, like, you know, they're losing money hand over fist. So um, there's a much bigger story here than just, you know, <laughs> the driver's not going to be able to drive around a racetrack one afternoon. Yeah, yeah, very well said there. Very well said there. Like, we've seen just recently Formula One announced that they look like they're going to be pushing back their plans on introducing the new regulations into their category. There was already this talk about Gen 3 with supercars after the Holden decision was made about speeding up that process. Do you think with everything that's gone on now, we might see that get delayed again? Look, I'm not too sure. I mean, these days I'm not really involved in too much of all that sort of stuff. You know, I suppose there was a time when we had our own team and you're in amongst it and you, you got everyone's uh, uh, emails and all the correspondence coming from supercars, but I, I don't get any of that sort of information anymore. So I'll, I'll probably know less than what you do, to be honest. Um, but look, everything is just literally on hold at the moment, as you know. Um, people are just surviving, trying to work out what the next plan of attack is. But I honestly think, you know, once the green light's given and we can, everyone's happy to get going again, it's going to be super busy, like crazy busy um, back at the end of the year. So I think the people that have got time off now, they should really enjoy it because um, everyone's going to be flat knacker trying to make up for the first half of the year that obviously hasn't panned out the way anyone thought it would. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's look. Let's talk about this year's car. You know, you've had a chance of, with the test day and everything to get behind the wheel of this year's car. Talk about some of the differences for you as a driver and what it's like to drive the car this season. Yeah, I had um, a few laps at Tail and Bend, which was great because I'd, I'd actually never driven a supercar at Tail and Bend before. Uh, I've driven the GT car and the, the TCR car as well. So I'm familiar with the circuit, but not the characteristics of the supercar around there. So it was a little bit difficult to draw comparison to what it was like the year before. Um, but I can quite easily say that the, the less aero was felt, uh, that is for sure. And, uh, you know, when we went to the control damper, that changed our balance quite a bit. So some teams were reporting they had made their car better. Um, I, I can't say the same for, for our guys or for when I drove it anyway. You know, we still had a, had a bit of work to do. And uh, I think you can see that when they went to Adelaide. You know, the, you know the, at the end of the day, you probably still had a, a few guys at the front that always are there. Um, that seemed to be able to get a little bit more out of, them, out of the car than the next bloke. But then up and down the field, it was quite varied, I thought. Um, some, I thought David Reynolds was going to be on the money um, come race time and, you know, he was really quick in practice and then the race not quite as strong. And um, this shows you, even though they were running the, not the same damper, the same type of damper, the Super Shock last year, this particular damper must be quite a bit different to what they were, they were running. So that's been a massive change. There's no doubt about it. The cars move around more. They're harder to drive, um, which is exactly what supercars wanted. Um, so we just got to see how that, that plays out. But I remember last year, even when I drove the car without the twin spring at Phillip Island, the first test, um, you know, we, we had a lot of work to do. And then by the time I was back in the thing a couple of months, months later, uh, the boys had done like an amazing job to make the car almost feel the same again. 
So they'll get their heads around it. Everyone will be making little changes. Um, obviously, those changes are, are getting smaller and smaller because there's so many control parts over the car now. Um, but, you know, they're, they're super clever guys and they'll, they'll work it out. So I assume next time I drive it, it will be, be better again because that first test day was really like, let's put these in and, and see what, they, what they're like. And I thought Supercars did a, a good job there in not allowing the teams to actually have the damper until uh, the test day. You know, because teams are doing ride days and rookie days, all sorts of stuff where they could have got a, a, a head start on, on the rest of the, the field. I thought that was good. Um, but, you know, outside of that, it is just a supercar. It's real drive. It's uh, it's lively. It's fast. And uh, they're a bit of a beast to drive, especially around tail and band. That's going to be quite a tricky one, that one, I think. Um, you're very busy behind the wheel of a supercar around there. Um, you know, there's a lot of gear changes. There's a lot of breaking off cambered corners. Um, there's fast flowing corners. There's high speed stuff. So it is quite challenging. It's not like you're straightforward or you know, sort of straightforward sand down, for instance, which was the first enduro most years. Um, not last year, but most years. So, yeah, tail and band, I think, is going to be interesting. Hopefully the racing is going to be good there. It definitely sh- it shows up a good and bad car, that is for sure. There's so many corners. There's so many opportunities to lose time. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed by the time we get there, the Shell boys will have their head around these changes and, and uh, they'll be back to the front, which, uh, well, I say back to the front, they'll be a bit more comfortable where they're at because um, I know coming from Adelaide, they probably knew they had a little bit of work to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're in the, the Shell V-Power Penske, DJR team, Penske team, and you, you're surrounded with a lot of, Awesome drivers. Uh, you know, you've got Fab- Fabian mm. Coulthard, of course, uh, your teammates with yeah. the Enduro Cup. And then you've got Scott McLaughlin, who's going to go and race in IndyCar, hopefully in a few months' time, in, in the big uh, Indianapolis road course, which mm. at this point, it could even be the first round of the championship. How do you reckon, if we do get to that race, how do you reckon, Scotty, you'll fare over there? Oh, I think, it, you know, it's going to be a big learning curve. He, um, and he knows that. But he did a great job at the test day at uh, Circuit of Americas. So, you know, he's got a great team behind him. Uh, Penske, no doubt about it over there. Uh, so have, he'll have good equipment, but, you know, it's so different to what he's ever driven. And he's well aware of that. He's trading his butt off at the moment, trying to get ready for this uh, this you know, potential race. Um, but who knows at the moment? That might be postponed. And, um, we just don't know. But it would be a shame. I think everyone's sort of looking forward to seeing how he's going to go. But yeah, within within the team, you know, Fabs has been fantastic for me. I uh, learned a lot from his driving style. You know how he works with the team. Um, we've had a really good relationship um, during this sort of period of the last four years we've been together. Uh, I think we sort of both get the most out of each other in in some sort of quirky ways, and um, that just comes from learning, you know, or getting to know each other a little bit better over that journey. Um, and then this year, we've got Tim Slade joining the team as well. So, um, you know, he comes off 11 years straight full-time racing in supercars. So he's going to be sharp. He's going to push me. So I think, uh, like, driver lineup-wise, um, I can certainly learn a lot from these guys and and uh, keep myself uh, sharp and, you know, at that pointy end. So, and, and then, you, you know, you've you got only got to look at engineering team and mechanics. That, that is, I suppose, the benefit of having 
one of the best teams in pit lane, if not the best. Um, it attracts the best people. So there's some seriously smart people in that team, uh, good operators, whether it's, you know, uh, from mechanic level all the way up to, you know, probably, you know, the, the best drivers in the field, to be honest, to be fair, really. You look at Scott's performance the last three or four years in that car and, you know, he's, he's won a lot of races and that's won a lot of races as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it is really exciting to be part of and it's one of those things that as a driver you, you work pretty hard to get there but sometimes you don't ever get that opportunity. So I'm super uh, appreciative of the opportunity and um, I love every moment of it You know, when I'm racing with those guys or testing because um, I'm not involved in every day uh, when I get back there and, and see you know, how they've progressed or what they've changed or... You know, it's just it's just really impressive to be part of. So, yeah, very lucky boy, very lucky. Yeah, exactly. And how are you going to stay nice and sharp for the racing at the moment with, <laughs> without you know being able to do anything at the moment? How are you going to do it? You're going to get behind the wheel of a sim and do some stuff there, or what are you going to do with yourself? Well, I haven't really done a lot of sim stuff, but uh, I actually do own a sim that a friend of mine has borrowed, which I'm trying to twist his arm to get back to me. Get back right. to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's the only real way, you know, maybe a bit of go-karting, a uh, bit of sim stuff. Obviously, you've got a bit more time to keep yourself fit and healthy. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just going to be maybe a little bit more time at home and uh, getting a few brownie points in the bank before the back half of the year because I probably won't see the family that much <laughs> the back half of the year. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, yes, yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, you know. There's always benefits, always silver linings there. Um, and like I said at the moment, just we've just got to everyone look after their health and you know do the right thing. You know, not not think oh, I'm I'm sort of you know I can go here and I can do that. And even though I've been recommend not to, it's like you know if everybody does that, then we're going to be buggered. So you know I think everybody needs to take this forced holiday and, and take it seriously. And um, take all the precautions, you know. It's um, it's a serious matter and it's worldwide, it's global. So, um, yeah, do the right thing and we'll be back racing, working, living a normal life again. Um, even if it's a few months in the scheme of things, it's nothing. Great words of advice here, Tony Dalberto. Thanks again for taking the time on the podium and hopefully things improve and we'll get the world back, mm. back to normal again. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. But, yeah, thanks for having me. There we are, Tony D'Alberto joining us here to talk about everything going on in the motorsport world at the moment. And hopefully we do get to see him in action in TCR and in the Supercar Championship a bit later on this season. Right after this, so Tony Quinn joins us on the podium. You're listening to the podium and right now on the podium we're joined with a man Heavily involved in the motorsport world. He's owned championships and race car tracks. He's been involved in sponsorship. And he's also a racer. Tony Quinn, thank you so much for joining us on the podium. No problem. I'm not sure that I'm all of those things. and I'm, I'm not sure that I do them well, but <laughs> I've survived this far, so we'll, we'll um, give it a crack. What have you made of some of the events of the past few weeks and the effects that they've had? Look, I'm no different than anybody else. I'm bemused, I'm bewildered, I'm confused, I'm doing what I'm told, even if I think something's just not quite right. But I think we need to 
to act as a community and you know all be responsible and if we're going to get this thing under control there's all sorts of uh, facts and figures that you can look at but the reality is that this is a one in a hundred year event nobody's alive today that went through the spanish flu type thing so this is all new to all of us um we have the luxury nowadays of social media and fantastic communication skills and mechanisms and technology and um a, a much much better health system so look i think we're all just we should all just behave and um you know just do do the best thing for our family and community and country and i think the government's doing a great job to be honest um you know and the only people that are upset in the equilibrium in my opinion are the people that are, are being you know nasty people at the supermarkets and hoarders and whatever the hell they're doing um no, nobody needs all the stuff that they're shopping for and the, the reality is that none of our essential industries like food and health and stuff are going to um, shut down or, or suffer or, yeah. So there's going to be plenty of food and plenty of toilet paper for everybody. Um, the people that um, have been hoarding or whatever need to stop it and um, get sensible. And, you know, this is just something that we're all going to have to work through. It's going to affect every industry. Some will benefit, believe it or not, but, but most will suffer. Um, so as a community and as a country, we're not going to come out of this better than we went into it, but we might come out of it with a different attitude towards our work style and, and the way we, we handle things and stuff. I mean, already I'm, I, my office is in a big office tower, if you like, on the Gold Coast, and already people, you know, obviously are working from home. And what's happening is that the corporates are saying, well, do we really need offices? I mean, if people are going to work from home and so long as we can manage that, we probably don't need people to come into the CBD and take the tram and take the bus and take the car. And We don't need that congestion. We could probably just, most people could work from home, which I think will, will be one of the results of this exercise is that we'll see a change in the way that people work, to be honest. There's been lots of fans that weren't happy with all the events surrounding the cancellation of the Grand Prix in Melbourne. Can you give race fans some insight into all the stuff that happened leading into the Grand Prix weekend? As far as I'm aware, they took place on the Thursday, but the pressure was mounting from, you know, the authorities, the health departments, and just the general, you know, public really is saying, look, even Lewis Hamilton, you know, why are we doing this? You know, this is just too much risk. And um, I think the authorities in the end, or the organisers, promoters thought, bugger it, you know, we better toe the line here. And the reason that it took a little bit of time to get the word out to the fans, particularly the fans that were at the gate, was because the police had to get into position um, to control the, the, the trams and the public transport and the gates and stuff like that. So that's... I believe that they took the decision like half past eight in the morning mm. and they didn't announce it till 10 o'clock just because they had to get in position, you know. So that's that's fine. And look, everybody's going to have an opinion of what should have happened, what could have happened. But the reality is that these guys, like in business too, you've got to make a decision uh, with the best information you've got at that time. And, you know, 
in hindsight, they absolutely made the right decision. So nobody should be objecting or whinging or moaning. I mean, I know several people that had made arrangements to be at the Grand Prix, travelled from overseas, booked accommodation, paid the ticket, the whole deal. Um, we had several members from uh, racetracks in New Zealand that had done exactly that. But at the end of the day, <coughs> you know, it's 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 the same thing for everybody. You know, everybody got the same treatment. So we just have to cop it and um, realise that it's not just, you know, they weren't picking on an individual or a group of people. It's for the good of the country. Yeah, We've yeah. never had this before. So nobody, nobody can can um, look back and and um, suggest a different way. And as I said before, I think the governments and the authorities are making absolutely the right decisions. What's this mean for motorsport? Obviously with the Grand Prix, I mean, that was the start of people in the motorsport industry, I guess, realising that this year is going to be a wee bit lumpy, a bit different. And uh, everybody from competitors to fuel and tyre suppliers to caterers, you know, everybody sort of had the realisation that, wow, this could escalate and affect... Because there was a moment in time where I think people thought, well, because it's an international event, that's what they've done. Um, but then as it, it sort of snowballed into the, the sort of national um, rounds and in the V8s and stuff like that. I mean, in Overstay, I think it's common knowledge now that, you know, like people were saying initially that we have to we have to stop things for a month or two weeks or whatever, it's clear now that, you know, we're going to be in a sort of state of uh, lockdown, for want of a better term, until the winter, you know. And um, a good friend of mine is a doctor, and she said that, um, you know, we're unfortunately going into our flu season, into the winter, where the Northern Hemisphere are coming out of their winter and going into their summer. So we're probably going to have it, I believe we're going to be a wee bit more prolonged than the Northern Hemisphere. And, you know, and again, all credit to the authorities for making the right decisions because we have to get on top of this thing early and then, you know, then control it. I mean, we can immediately look at what happened in Italy and, and versus what happened in China, if we can believe them. But... Um, yeah, look, it's it's a nasty wee thing, and we need to get on top of it. Some people say it's only the flu, but it's clearly not only the flu. Things won't normalise until we have a vaccine for it. And the best sort of information at the moment is that that's at least six months away, and then by the time it gets out to everybody, you know, it's another couple of months. So, you know, we all just have to do the right thing in between. And... And, you know, I think motorsport, yes, is going to be affected, but general communities and general businesses are going to be greatly affected. You know, motorsport, let's be honest, to most people in Australia, motorsport is an indulgence, really. You know, it's something that you that you do. Um, you know, very few people in Australia do it professionally. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the V8 teams, for example, now, some of them might not survive the um, if it goes on for six months or if it goes on for most of this year. Um, they're not going to be able to keep their, their crew. Um, I know of two teams already that have paid out their staff and said, you know, basically you're on your own until we resume. So, you know, that's, that's 
what's happening. Sporting codes such as the AFL and NRL have spoken about how their clubs are going to be affected a lot from this, and they're still competing. What's it going to mean for motorsport teams that aren't competing? If it's not going to be the closure of the teams, it's going to be a change in the teams because the the teams probably won't re-establish themselves in the same way. So, you know, there's going to be changes no matter what. But, you know, the motorsport people, fraternity, in any semi-professional sport nowadays, you know, um, they're all agile people. They're all, you know, quick thinkers. We'll, we'll, we'll get around it. We'll, we'll um, get going again. But it might just take a bit longer um, for everybody to get going again. And certainly sponsors and corporate um, help and stuff. I would imagine that if, if it wasn't already almost gone, um, you're going to be a brave corporate guy to sponsor a race team right now. You know, like to to look at extending the sponsorship. I think that would be foolhardy. What are Virgin going to do? Are they going to continue to sponsor the V8 Supercars? I don't think so. You know, and I don't know what the deal is and whether they can exit. But um, you, know, you can't be laying off staff in vast amounts and continue to sponsor a bloody you know, weekend sport. So you know, there's going to be all sorts of ramifications that we haven't even considered yet um but the, but the good news is so like it's all bad there's nothing good about the current situation but the good thing is that humans have always evolved we've always risen to the challenge and yeah 99 percent of the time we've beaten the odds and we we find a cure and we get on with it and you know um we become jolly again and you know um it's 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 a war but it's not it's a different kind of war, you know. It's not humans shooting other humans. It's, you know, it's it's some nasty virus trying to kill the elderly, you know. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, um, there's not a lot of good things you can say right now. The government's doing the best they can to to quell the fear and panic, um, and that's what we have to do as a community and as people. We have to, um, you know, follow the rules and, and follow the guidelines and do the right thing. And, you know, that's that's our job. It has been a difficult period for motorsport already with the timing of the Holden decision. We've seen recently that F1 is going to be delaying the implementation of their new regulations. What do you think that supercars should be doing? They initially looked at speeding up the implementation of Gen 3 and now it looks like it's going to be delayed again. What do you think that supercars should be doing with their Gen 3 regulations? Uh, look, you know, forget the coronavirus. If, if, it, if the coronavirus didn't happen, the absolute thing that they should do, and I think they were doing it, was to accelerate the Gen 3 thing. And, and from my perspective, I think what's happened this year, what we saw in Adelaide uh, this year, was how well Adrian Burgess had paratized the cars. And I think given that um, show of parody, I think most people would accept that we could paratize a BMW to race against a Ford or, you know, a, a Kia Stinger or whatever to race against whatever. You know, I, just, <laughs> I still think they need to be V8, but I'm, I'm confident personally 
that Adrian Burgess and his team could actually paratize one car against the other. And I think whilst Holden leaving the sport was a major blow, um, <clears throat> not just to the teams, but for the television rights and stuff like that, um, I actually think that it probably is a good thing because it was going to happen anyway, but it, it, it offers the V8 management team to actually speed up the Gen 3 thing and change the rules Knowing that Holden are, are, you know, they're the missing link now. You know, they're 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 out of the game basically, and you need to encourage and open up the field to all sorts of cars with with loose rules, loose-ish rules, but knowing that Adrian Burgess and his team can paratize them, I think that's awesome. I think I think that then breathes a whole new, um, you know, a whole new bloody opportunity for the um, the V8 series. I, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I know it's a bad thing and you can doom and gloom about it, but I actually think it would open it up to more opportunity. So in terms of the cars in the championship in the future, what do you think they should look like? You used to be the owner of the Australian GT championship and we've seen the introduction of TCR into Australia. Do you think that supercars should be moving more towards a GT series format or... A TCR style series. Fundamentally, they have to stick to a V8 or a V6 turbo, whatever. It needs to be a pretty grunty car. I don't think GT3 and GT whatever. Um, the GT series has outpriced itself for this region of the world. Basically, you know, a new car, <coughs> excuse me, is a million dollars. You know, well, we can't afford that. We're not going to be paying that going forward. Um, so, and the TCR thing is good. You know, it's a good wee series, but it's not, it's not huge. You know, we're led to believe it's hugely successful throughout the world. It's actually not that hugely successful. Um, but it's, it's got a place and it's got a good place. Fine, happy days. Um, but I, I actually think that the V8 super, and I know they're called supercars now, but I think they need to be loud and proud and they need to be, you know, the, the, sort of the flagship of the brand, you know, like basically. And um, I think it's, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in cars, but I'm sure there's plenty of, of road cars out there that could compete given that we can paratize them now. Because that's, to be honest, that has been the problem. Even since Nissan and Mercedes got on board, we were always just doubting the parody side. Of it, and as soon as Nissan threatened to leave, they would get a bit more power or parity or whatever it was. But now with Adrian Burgess, and this is just my view, I'm totally confident that he and his team could sort any bloody car that you want, either make it faster or slower or whatever, so that it could compete on a level playing field. And what about for you in terms of your racing career, Tony? We haven't seen you racing as much recently. Well, to be honest, sorry, I've got bronchitis. The most unfortunate time in, in my life to have bronchitis, I've got it now, which is a real drama. But um, yeah. no, my racing career is fine. I've been quite busy um, out and about, but it's just a bit of a story. Um, last year, me and Harry decided, Harry's my right-hand man, um, we decided that we'd carry on for another few years. And um, so we ordered five new vehicles 
we've ordered a new Aston Martin. We ordered a new R5 Fiesta. We all, we've got a new Mustang production car being built. Um, we've got a new uh, safari truck coming. And I can't even remember what the last one is, but we've got five new vehicles. Oh, and a new Nissan GTR for the Targa. So we're all geared up, ready to go racing. Um, this year was brand new gear because I, I don't want to uh, spend too much time fixing things. So um, we're all ready to go. But we've got nowhere to go this year. <laughs> we just have to wait, mate. We just have to be patient. Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? And how are things going with all the trucks? Well, that's, that's what adds a bit of salt into the wound as well. You know, like I've got two tracks in uh, New Zealand. I own the Aussie race car series, and I've got about 10 good race cars that I can race, and I can't do anything right now. <laughs> oh, I know. So it's a bit ironic. But, you know, there's people far worse off than me. So I'm just going to hang around, wait my time. And, you know, when when things get going again, I'll be one of the first guys to get out there and support the, the sport, you know, like, um, because it, it will be changed and there will be people um, gone from it. And it will take a year or two to reestablish or, you know, however we work it out. But we're all going to have to be fit and and uh, agile and make some quick decisions and some good decisions. So hopefully we can keep eating and and we don't run out of toilet paper and we'll be fine. What do you make of all the other categories such as S5000, TCR and TA2 and where they fit into the landscape of Australian motorsport? Well, I'm sure most people in the industry know that, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying anything out of order, but, you know, the guys at the ARG group have long wanted to buy the, the V8 series um and you know there's been offers backwards and forth and like most commercial deals is the offers that have been made are half of what the requirement is <laughs> so there's been a bit of banter there and, and i think there's a certain amount of grandstanding or or a pissing contest to see who's doing what and there's no doubt in my mind anyway that ARG have gone flat out to to sort of destabilize the the, um, the V8 series and its television show, and they've come out with their own thing. Um, you know, my view is that I think the TA2 series is probably, um, probably long-term, got more legs than people give it credit for. Um, I think the S5000, sadly, won't survive. It, it, won't, um, it won't get going. Um, because I just don't think there's the interest, genuine interest in the Australian public uh, or even spectators or even, you know, like, they're good, but they're not that good enough. Australians have never supported that. And former Ford's making a com- comeback as, as a beginner thing. Um, I think there's there's obviously way too many categories in Australia, but that's the same everywhere you go. And they're all being diluted. Um, so, I don't know. It's It's, it's a difficult situation that the sport have to manage people's aspirations and what they want to do and how they want to go about it and this is actually what happens in a, in a democracy <laughs> you know when you have a dictator and he tells you what's happening and that's it a bit like china to be honest they tell you this is what's fucking happening and that's that's it whereas in the, in the western democracy world we we try and please everybody and, you know, it has had the effect in Australia and New Zealand of 
dilute in every category. So, you know, the, the reality is because I've owned categories and still do, unless you've got 20 cars on the grid, that category is bleeding money. So, you know, you just have to look around and see. And I'm talking at a national level. I mean, you can do it at a club level thing, but at a national level, if you've got less than 20 cars on the grid, you're bleeding money. So as long as people want to do that, that's fine. Let's talk about some of the good things now. We have talented drivers such as Scotty McLaughlin and Shane Van Gisbergen currently competing Australia. We have Scott McLaughlin looking at heading overseas to race an Indy car at the Indianapolis Road Circuit if that event does go ahead. What do you make of his prospects racing overseas? He'll be fine then. He's a champion. He's, he's, you know, both those guys that you spoke about, and you could add a few more into there, but only a few, you know, Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes in his day. You know, like those guys are true champions and they're very, very talented. Uh, and they've got that little bit of spark about them as well that just tips them over the edge, you know, as far as you can be a really good driver, but if you don't have much luck, it's, uh, it doesn't help you much. But those, you know, those three guys, but particularly the two younger guys, um, have got a marvellous future in front of them. They're, they're really very talented. And, I mean, Shane already goes to Europe and America and does very well. And Scotty might take a year to, to sort of fit in. But um, he'll be perfect, mate. He'll be very good, I would suggest. And what do you think about big international names such as Michael Andretti, Zach Brown and Roger Penske's involvement in Australian motorsport? I think that's good for the sport. I think it's all good. And, you know, this is a reflection of where we were and where we're going to. You know, the world was a very, very small place a month ago where, you know, I was, you know, I've got a business in England and Scotland as well as Australia and New Zealand. And, um, you know, I was traveling around the world willy-nilly, just as if, you know, the world was a small place. And, you know, we're, we're all looking at global global entities and opportunities and stuff. And so I think that's all good. However, maybe that's going to change this time around. So, so um, you know, stay tuned on that one, I think. If we do get racing this season, who do you think is going to win the Supercars Championship this season? Well, it's interesting because they're doing that eSport thing, which I think is a good thing. You know, I mean, I've mm. always said that the, the um, management of the V8 Supercars in general, 99% of the time, have done a great job. You know, even the days Tony Cochran and all the rest of it, was, you know, it, it's been a great success story, no matter what. And, um, you know, I, I think that um, it'll continue to be. And they've got this E-Series up and going now. I'm not sure whether they're going to include that in the championship or whether that's going to be a different thing. But it absolutely does two things. It loses some of the appeal for the older spectators, me included, uh, but it opens up to the younger players. And we may well see, this may well be uh, another change of direction for the, the supercar series, you know. And this is how we do the future. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be different in six months' time. And, and certainly there'll be a lot of things that are different in 18 months' time. Going forward, what are the plans for you, Tony? 
we were hoping to obviously have the V8 round at Hampton Downs. We're looking at doing the New Zealand Grand Prix. We've got a massive membership um, contingent. You know, things were going along fine. And it's just going to take a year or so to reestablish all of that stuff and get going. And hopefully, you know, we can all um, enjoy the future. And just finally, what advice would you give to motorsport fans, teams, and all stakeholders involved in motorsport? We've all just got to hang in. And we mustn't lose faith. We've got to hang in and support where we can. And, um, you know, have an opinion, but don't be an asshole on the, you know, don't be a keyboard warrior with all the answers with no information. You know, like, just, it's, it's time that we support each other as individuals and as a community, you know? Some great words of advice there. Hopefully things return to some level of normality soon and thanks again for and thanks again, Tony, for joining us on the podium. I'm just I'm just I'm gonna wait to take my eighty two year old mother out for lunch. So we're gonna we're gonna carry on doing the best we can. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, hopefully I don't know how the weather is because we're in Melbourne at the moment, but hopefully the weather up there in the at the Gold Coast is fine and yeah, hopefully it's Well it, yeah. I don't wanna tell you, but it's probably twenty five degrees. <laughs> blue sky, light breeze, you know, and, and let's all just, you know, get on with it. Let's, yeah. Let's just all bloody do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. And stop buying toilet paper. <laughs> I know, I know. Hopefully hopefully yeah. everyone will get the memo soon enough to, yeah, be, be a bit more <laughs> responsible again. Thanks again, Tony, for joining us on the podium. Yeah, yeah. Tony Quinn there talking about how all this stuff is going to affect the motorsport world. So special thanks to our guests for episode two. Uh, If you want to catch any other stuff that we've done with the podium, you can head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and look at the page there. Uh, So yeah, we've got previous interviews that we've done and also episode one in addition to this episode uh, and the interviews that go along with it. So Head over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you'd like to get any more motorsport action. That's about it, though. So thanks again for tuning in to Episode 2 and catch you next time on The Podium.